This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. As we uh, look back on um, Everton's disappointing 2-0 home defeat to uh, Leicester City at the weekend and then preview tomorrow night's uh, Carabao Cup tie at Bournemouth, which is of course is a, a double header for both the team and Joe Thomas and myself are down on the, the South Coast this week. Um, let's turn to you first, uh, Joe. Uh, obviously, we're joined by regular guest Gavin Buckland as well. Uh, Joe, we were all hoping for a, a big fina- uh, finale at Goodison Park ahead of the, the World Cup break and Everton to put on a, a show against um, the Foxes, but it didn't work out like that at all, did it? No, it didn't. It was really disappointing as well. It, it felt set up for... You know, a real opportunity for Lampard and Everton to kind of lay the foundations going for a relatively comfortable World Cup break. Obviously, we had all the, you know, the, the goodest under the lights and, you know, had to savour those moments and things like that on Saturday. And, you know, you're going to get the crowd behind Everton. We had the, the emphatic win and the really positive performance that came alongside it at Crystal Palace the last time at Goodison Park. And obviously, it was a lesser side, which I think, you know, I think most people would agree it's probably the worst time to have played them this season. Yeah, they had such a terrible start, and it was you always felt that if Rogers was given time, they would probably rise up the table given the quality in their side. But unfortunately, I think Everton were you know just allowed that quality to shine through too much, and yeah, they were out for they were outplayed, outfoxed, out mm. outmaneuvered, and it just it just didn't go well for Everton on the night, and it was really really disappointing. I can kind of. You know, it felt you could feel the disappointment during the game and coming out of the stadium as well. And I could really understand where supporters, you know, why why supporters felt that way. Really, I know everybody, you know, everybody buys into the the Lampard and Kevin Thalwell project, and, and, and they have always been clear and the sensible position is it's always going to take time. There's always going to be bumps in the road and things like that. But sometimes when when you get reminded of that fact so emphatically as we did on Saturday night. You know, it's only natural to come away from that being a little bit disappointed, a little bit downbeat, and and, and frustrated because, as I say, it just it was just a real reminder as to where Everton are in in, in their bid to find progress, and you know it's a bit of a stark reminder and a bit of a difficult one to take, I think. Yeah, Gav, were you surprised at how it panned out? I mean, we had your magnificent stats as always before the game, and you pointed out that Brendan Rodgers had never actually won a Premier League match at, at yeah. Goodison, and obviously he's broken that up now. Cheers, Chris. Thanks for that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, like, I like the way Joe used the phrase out Fox by Leicester. That yeah, is uh, that, that page headline for you, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was all confidence and happy clapping, wasn't I? Friday, 2 0 mm. win. I thought, based on the fact we got four points in two games in the last last performance at home against Crystal Palace, who in some respects have got similarities to, to Leicester in terms of their individual talent. Um, the, you know, we were thinking, you know, if we carry on like that, we at least got a point. Um, as it transpired, it was, it was the worst performance of the season, wasn't it? And then I'm happy reminder of the dark days of the, the middle of the last campaign. And there were many different reasons for that, which I'm sure you'll discuss, we'll discuss, but we, we just didn't turn up, did we? And there was individual errors compounded by tactics that I fit, you know, when I set up that pop. Probably wasn't. Frank, in that respect, may think actually it was set up wrong, albeit which is surprising that we had a few possible injuries for, for people on the pitch as well on Saturday, which is uh, not great either, is it? 
No. Um, Joe, uh, Gav's mentioned that the tactics there. Obviously, there was just uh, it's been fairly set aside in, in recent weeks. Just the, the one change this time. I mean, uh, what able to explain where you actually thought it actually went wrong against Leicester? Why it went so badly? Yeah, I wasn't that surprised when I saw the starting lineup. Frank alluded to it after the game that he has had you know quite a set, settled eleven, and and you know they didn't do bad at Fulham. You know, they, it was a good point, obviously reminded of the defensive capabilities rather than the attacking ones, but it wasn't a bad point at Craven Cottage. And obviously, they'd done so well against against Crystal Palace the week before. I think you know we discussed it last week and probably a few times in recent weeks. Anthony Gordon hasn't quite been hitting the heights that we know he, he's potentially capable of. And neither is really Damari Gray. So, I mean, really, it probably wasn't that much of a surprise to see Dwight McNeil come in for one of them. The question was... Mm-hmm. Who might he come in for? Where I was a bit surprised was I was a bit surprised when Nathan Patterson didn't start for Coleman. Um, you know, we, we know that Patterson was fit. Obviously, he'd come out against Fulham and, and Frank had said he'd responded to those minutes well. And, you know, he ever just that bit more dynamic down the right when he's there. You know, he, you can see that the tendency is that when Coleman's on the pitch and Everton are in possession, normally they try and go down the left and they, they essentially almost play. Coleman almost becomes a a third centre-back and they try and, you know, Mikalenko's one that's given licence to push forward. And it just ends up quite lopsided, um, especially when Mikalenko, whilst he's shown some attacking promise this season, probably isn't the effect, most effective full-back Everton have got when it comes to going forward. That's clearly Patterson. And I think Everton looked so much stronger at the beginning of the season when, you know, when, when it was Patterson who was doing that and Everton were trying to go down the right. I thought, bearing in mind that, you know, this is a lesser side that hasn't had the best of form this season, Bear in mind how well Everton did against Palace, you know, and how much important a win was, and how important it was to get on the front foot. I think I'd have liked to have seen Patterson, to be honest. You know, Coleman did brilliantly against the heart, but this was a, this was a game that you felt that Everton needed to start on the front foot, be aggressive with, and, and show some intent. And and we didn't really, it didn't really happen that way. The other thing that I thought was a bit concerning was, again, it's not necessarily with the personnel that was picked; it was perhaps more in the way that it was set up, and that's the fact that. You know, Amadou and Arna seem to play a lot further forward in this game. And, and, and as a result, you just ended up with this huge gap between Awobi and, and Anana and, and Adrissa Gay. And, you know, Adrissa Gay is, you know, obviously a good player who's improved Everton defensively, but he's, you know, he's, he's still approaching his mid 30s and there's only, he's still only one player. There's only so much that he can do. Uh, and I thought it just left him a little bit too exposed, particularly once he got injured. So I thought, I thought, and I, I said this at half time and got a bit of a backlash on Twitter. I said that I thought he started off quite well for me. First 15 minutes, Idrissa Gay played well. He, he won the ball to create the, to start the move that created the chance for Iwobi. Mm-hmm. And he put a big tackle on uh, Dewsbury Hall in the, in the final third. And, um, and then I think he, he, he managed to save Ellison from one of the many situations that they played themselves into when trying to play out from, from the back. Then obviously he got injured and he, he faded massively. The, 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 I think he got injured in about the 15th minute. And to be honest, he was largely anonymous for the rest of the first half. And that's where it became a problem because, you know, whilst he was clearly struggling, there was no change to give him a little bit more protection by, say, perhaps bringing Anana further further back. And as a result, what we just saw was Everton, um, Leicester have got so much ability in the centre of that midfield. Obviously, James Madison was the best player on the pitch uh, on Saturday. But obviously, he also had the physical presence of, of Samare, who just began to they they began to take a grip of the match and and Everton just had no control in the centre midfield and, and that 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 really hurts and the, the third element of, of this I'm sorry it's gone quite long winded was I was a bit surprised by Everton 
persisting with trying to play out the back throughout that first half for so long. You know, it was clear that, that Brendan Rodgers had seen what had happened and how Everton had been so effective against against Crystal Palace. And, and they, they pressed really, really high and they were straight on Pickford in the centre-backs from, from Everton's goal kicks. And you just saw it time and time again. You know, Everton were forced into rush clearances, forced into mistakes, and you just had Leicester picking up the balls 30 yards out from Everton's goal and then having opportunities to, to, to score, which, you know, were only thwarted by, by blocks and saves. So it just felt that... It felt that Everton, you know, perhaps lined up a bit peculiarly, never really got a foothold in the game and struggled to, struggled to change that once, certainly once Idrissa Gay got injured. Yeah. Given that, Gav, do you think, um, has, has Brendan done a number on them? Are they too predictable? I mean, what are your thoughts? Uh, I think Frank done a number on himself, really. Yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, with the way the team was set up, I like to talk about my favourite subject, the Everton midfield. Um yeah. Joe touched on it there with Anana playing further up front, further up top. Yeah. Against Palace, played far deeper and we looked far more solid as a consequence. And um, I was surprised. You know, it, it's like your midfield three. You'd either play two deep and one up top or play one deep and two up top. And we had sort of... Palace, we had two deeper and one up top and the reverse against Leicester. And not only that, Anana was playing sort of wide left, wasn't he? He, yeah, he wasn't. Times, yeah. He was playing in the middle at times. He was playing like yeah. a, a left winger, and as Joe said, I mean Leicester play four one four one, don't they? But it's not really like that because in that front four, Madison's the, the right winger, but he played most of the game in midfield. So they had like Dewsbury Hall, Tielemans, Samare, and Madison in the midfield against in theory Garner Gay. And especially in the first half, there was three or four times where there was Garner Gay and three or four Leicester players around yeah. them when they had possession. Especially, as Joe said, we give the ball away a hell of a lot in the first half, both from Pickford and uh, you know the back four. And all that was, you know, Leicester done, you know, we know we were going to get from Leicester. I would have thought that Frank would have thought, well, they've got width through Barnes, but you play through the middle a lot and need to have a, like a tighter midfield three. And 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 we didn't have that. We had a very, very loose midfield three. And in the first half, we were overrun as a, as a consequence. And that, to me, was the, the biggest damage that was done. And I would have played Patterson. I'm with Joe all day long. I think he gets on the pitch, he's starting, isn't he? I mean, because I, 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 Frank was bigging him up, wasn't he, on, on Friday yeah. and stuff. And... I mean, Bar- Barnes can most a little bit carny. Is it Ashley? What is it? What's the last? I've got us mixed Ashley Barnes and yeah, mixed up. Um, yeah. And Seamus got caught out for the goal, didn't he? Yeah, you know, got the ball, got played behind him, um, and that was that was that was you know as a consequence of that. And we missed Patterson's physicality as well, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, you, Joe, you both. Mentioned you both alluded to there those rush clearances by both Jordan Pickford and then the centre halves. Obviously, Cody shanked a couple, a couple of them. I suppose Cody and Tarkovsky are going to get far more right than they're going to get wrong this season. It's been a fresh breath of fresh air, but this wasn't one of their finest hours, was it? No, but, but it was you know, again, it felt very self inflicted. Um, yeah. you know, it felt like Everton were playing themselves into the problems. They were creating the problems themselves rather than necessarily being 
forced into him. You know, after after the opening 10, 15 minutes, it probably should have been clear that a different tactic would have been preferable. Um, yeah. But Everton didn't really change it. You know, they had a, you know, the reality. I mean, the, the goal was was a stunning goal. You know, it was an absolutely yeah. sublime goal, and Pickford couldn't do anything about it. But but it was coming. You know, the, su- the surprise wasn't that Everton went in one down at half time. The surprise was that it took a moment of quality for it to, you know, such as Tielemans is for it to be the difference as opposed to, you know, the the one of the many chances that, that Leicester was having from stealing the ball 30 yards out from Everton's goal and then, you know, and, and then creating the opportunities from that. You know, obviously Tarkovsky and, and Cody put some big blocks in, you know, Pickford made a couple of saves, but, you know, Everton just, they seem to persist with trying to play their way out from the back, even though it wasn't working. And, and as a result, they created the problems themselves. And, you know, maybe it's slightly unfortunate in that, you know, if it hadn't been for Tielemans' goal, then they might have been able to just get into half time at nil nil and, and rejig things and it'd be different. But I think the problem, the problem is in the Premier League, it's so ruthless that you can't afford to be passive like that. And if you see an issue that, if you see an issue that's causing problems and creating vulnerabilities for your side again and again and again, I don't think you can really trust to hold on to the half time to make a decision and make a change. I think I think you need to try and address it straight away because, especially with this being an Evans, with this being an Evans side that one struggles to score goals and two really really struggles to score goals when they're chasing games, um, you know you can't really afford to give oppositions too many chances to, to, to take the lead against Everton because then they just sit back and Everton, you know, might move the play 30 yards forward and, 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 and start to dominate in midfield, but they struggle to unlock defences when when the defences are, are fully tuned in to trying to stop them from, you know, when they've got a lead to protect. So, you know, it, it probably needed a bit of a tactical change, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes in, whether that had been, Acknowledging that Adrissa Gay was struggling and either taking him off or whether it had been sitting Anana deeper or just, you know, I was moving Anana deeper and giving an Everton an extra body to try and help make themselves available when they try to play out the back or by just, you know, trying a different tactic, really, trying to go a little bit more direct. I think, um, yeah, yeah, I think I think it was a frustrating one. I think that supporters could see what was happening from quite early on. And as a result, the this is, decision not to change things was probably all the more frustrating, you know, even more so when Everton ultimately got punished. We were in, you know, in at halftime, 1-0 down. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I mean, we mentioned there about the, the lack of goals, um, Gav, but Everton, again, a two clear-cut opportunity. I mean, similar to the Tottenham Hotspur game in, in many respects. Alex Awobi and then Dominic Calvert-Lewin early yeah. in the second half. Two clear-cut chances for all of that. And then he didn't take them. Uh, now, just the other thing about about I said to just another point that should be made is I think Cody and Tarkovsky, you know, they've been excellent this season, but because of their age and especially if you play Coleman right back, they tend to have a very well, what they call the modern day a low block, and that gives more midfield space, doesn't it? As a consequence, because we're not pushing up, yeah. it gives more more. There's more grass in front of our defence, and that. That exacerbated, uh, you know, the midfield struggles. I think on 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 Saturday, yeah. Um, it, I say it was a good good bit of uh, play by Garner Gay, wasn't it? the ball. I think Alex should have scored that, shouldn't he? Yeah. Got a good maybe maybe yeah. you've got a good view 
and I know people said there was a hard chance and stuff, but he's got quite he's got three quarters of the goal there to aim at, hasn't he? You know, he was literally standing behind him at the same angle. Yeah. And I think he should have scored that. Um, to be fair, and likewise Carver Lewin. I think I don't think Cat, Dominic's not the best at when he's got to think about in the in in the penalty area. Um, he's a one touch finisher, isn't he? You give, give him the ball. Normally, I know he did well against Palace, but in those positions where it's a one on one with the keeper, he, he's not as efficient as what he should be. Albeit, I know he's he's rusty, as we found out shortly afterwards, but thought Calvert Lewin should have scored there as well. Might have been a different story there, especially if the Wolves had gone in. But, um, you know, Leicester, Leicester have got a lot of quality, and even at 1 0. If we were ahead one 0 I'd still back Leicester. You know, they're going to score at some point, probably the way we were playing. But yeah, at that difference of Spurs, though, those two were, you know, the only time we got into the Spurs area. Yeah. But on on Saturday, we obviously because we're at home and Leicester are not as good as Spurs. Slightly different, Chris. I'm slightly worrying the fact that apart from the Tarkovsky header, those were the only three real attempts we had. I can think of. Um, which again points to our lack of um, creativity, doesn't it? Really, and you know that leads us on to our wide men as well. But yeah, one nil perhaps, but I wouldn't say it'd be guaranteed three points if we went one nil ahead through a wall. We say, yeah, uh, Joe. I mean, it's just eleven goals now, isn't it? From from fourteen games. Just how big a concern do you think that is? Well, it's, I think it's Everton's biggest concern. Yeah, uh, I don't think there's any any doubt about that. Um, I think it's a concern that. Yeah, those at the club have been well aware of all season, to be perfectly honest. Obviously, yeah, Frank Lampard was clear in his need for attacking reinforcements, you know, in mid-July when they lost after they lost them to Minnesota. Um, you know, then and following the sale of, of, of Richarlison, they brought Neil Mopay in, they brought um Dwight McNeil in as well. But I think yeah, I think there was still a lingering sense that they were still a, at least an attacker short, hence the Hence, the majority of the business at the back end of, uh, of the transfer window was trying to. Well, the, the majority of business that didn't the one piece of business they were trying to that didn't get complete it was trying to bring in another forward player. Obviously, they they were very close with with Mohamed Kudus at Ajax, and it sounds like they they tried hard with with Mudrick at Shakhtar Donetsk and didn't get anywhere. And obviously, they tried to. It sounds like they tried to make a late effort. Um, although not sure how serious it was to, to tempt Morgan Gibbs White in, into into Goodison Park, so I think it's an issue that that they they started the season knowing was 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 a problem, and obviously that became that exacerbated by um, Dominic Calvert Lewin's injury. So, but you know, I, I think probably the issue or one of the big concerns is is the fact that you know we're 14 games in and, and alternative solutions haven't really come to light. You know, Gray Gray's got one goal. Gordon's got three. This is in the league. Obviously, Gordon's got three. Dwight McNeil's got two. So they have been con- contributing. You know, they have you know created. They have they have scored a few goals. That isn't necessarily the worst return goals. I think the bigger problem is they're not really creating any chances for anybody else. That's that's the problem. The, the complete lack of assists from them. And we know Iwobi's done so well, but can he put so much on Iwobi's shoulders? We're asking him to do so much. Um, you know, we're asking him to carry his heaven side, really. I know that it's difficult for the wingers because obviously they start the season without Dominic Calvert-Lewin and the whole pre-season would have been built up towards how do you supply Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And, you know, he is Everton's best finisher and 
when he's fitted in form, he's you know one of the most effective finishers in the Premier League. But you know when you take him out of that side, and I think you know we're at a point. I think to be honest, he should have been at this point in the summer as well, where where you say you can't necessarily you can't gamble on him being available for thirty five games of the season. Um, if you do. And if you do put all your you know, your eggs in that basket, then then you are gambling, and obviously that's been proven again this season. We hope that this latest injury isn't a problem. We hope that you know if he doesn't get selected for the World Cup, then we hope that the next six weeks he can get the rehabilitation recovery to really hit the ground running running in January. But you know, I think what Everton need to do is it, it shouldn't matter how good the next six weeks are for Dominic Calvert-Lewin when he comes straight back and looks in fantastic form in training, whether he goes to the World Cup and, you know, wins the golden boot or whatever, Everton can't go beyond January as reliant as they are upon him. Um, and and that, that's a big concern. But, but yeah, you know, it makes it, makes it hard to analyse in some respects when you, when you do come back to those chances. Obviously, it's a different game if Awobi scores in the first five minutes. Probably a different game if, if Calvert-Lewin equalises in the opening minutes of the second half. You know, that... It's not that Everton aren't creating any chances at all. I think it's just they create so few chances that you know if they don't make them, then you don't know when the next one's coming along, and and, and that's the problem. You you, know, you either need someone who's going to finish every single chance, which is just impossible, or you know, or you need to be keeping clean sheets in every game. And we know that the defence is a lot better, but it still isn't so good that it can do that. So your know, goals are the big issue. They're going to have to be the big issue in January trying to address that problem. There's only so much work that can be done at Finch Farm. You know, there's only so many tips that Frank Lampard can give to Gordon and Gray and McNeil and Onan and anybody else who's, who's listening there for, for advice. You know, it's, it's a problem that's got to be rectified and rectified quickly. Yeah. Gav, uh, Joe jo mentions uh, the wingers there and obviously the supply line or lack of it for Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Dwight, York, Dwight McNeil was specifically... Brought in because I mean, obviously, he did, he did disappointing numbers last season, but he's not somebody you know who could whip a ball into um, to Calvert Lewin, and that was the idea. But that was a big chance for him starting on Saturday, but never really happened for him in that respect. No, did you nearly say to White York, by the way? There, yeah, you feel like there. Ashley, Ashley Barnes and Harvey Barnes. Uh, yeah, it's our age, yeah. Gav. Yeah, yeah, see any moments, Chris? See any yeah. moments? Yeah, yeah. I, I, spot on. I don't think the three the three wingers. I think there's this stat they've not provided a single assist this this season. Is it something like that? Yeah. The more I see, Mac, and this is this is. I suppose in terms of Calvert Lewin, it's a bit of a bit of a concern. Is that McNeil doesn't look like a left winger, does he? <laughs> he? He hasn't got. Let me explain. He hasn't got that burst of pace that will take him past the fullback. He, he's quite a a loping, as somebody said, loping winger. Um, somebody said a, a while back, there's a bit of early James McFadden there, who's similar, mm-hmm. um, similar in style. I think McNeil's probably a little bit more bulkier. He, he's a he's a he's a winger who comes in from out wide, wide right inside, and that's his more natural position for me. Um, but if you've got Calvert-Lewin playing, you want your left winger to get to the byline and fire in crosses and beat the full back, and, and like you know, likewise on the right. And I think that's one of the concept, one of the things from that is if you've got McNeil left and then a you know Gray or Gordon on the right hand side, I don't think he, I don't think that's going to work for Calvert Lewin. 
And if you cross them over, they're coming inside then. And does that really work for Cavaloon either, where the ball's being played through the middle, not out wide? So it, it's an incestant one. Um, I, I think possibly, we've spoken in the past, haven't we? I think Connor brought this up the other week about whether actually playing 4-3-3 is, is the answer. You know, do we need to look at other formations? Four four two three five two three four three whatever um, to try and to try, try and become a little bit more offensive as as Joe Joe said because it's just not happening at the moment is it? And while um, I, I don't mind scoring eleven as long as we've only conceded fourteen mm. because if you got a goal difference of minus three and um, you know that you're not going to be relegated at the end of the season. But the problem is is that minus fourteen. That starts to shift, you know. The goal, sorry, that minus three we've got starts to shift the goal difference because we start letting in goals, the more goals than what we've done in the the first fourteen matches. So I'm not too concerned the lack of goals as long as we're not conceding any. But I do think we need to take, look at look at alternative strategies here, don't we? Really up top, one of them could be playing. Two up top. I don't know who they play. Would they be Rondon and Mopay? Would they? Where you could play Gordon there, or perhaps. Um, but I think it's something that should be explored. To be honest with you, because the two, the four three three is just not working for us up top, is it at the moment? Joe, would you go that far? Would you change the formation? Um, I, I mean, I suppose it depends on who's available because obviously there's three big players. Because it's not just Calvert Lewin; it's Anana and, and, and Gay who could be out of action for. For the Bournemouth game, so mm. you know, once we know who's available, it'll be a bit easier. I kind of understand what Gav's saying about Gray and and, and McNeil. The Ivan, the, there's almost there's two options for what they they can either task them with getting to the byline and putting the crosses in for for for, for Calvert Lewin, or, or he can have them cutting inside. And if he, he have them cutting inside, so you know they're coming inside as they're stronger for that works if you can get the fullbacks to overlap them. You know, if you're if, if, the, if the wingers. The wingers are cutting inside. They're creating space for the, the, the fullbacks to to provide the width on the outside. And, and that's what Mikalenko did so well with Gray against Crystal Palace. You know, Gray was coming, was in the he was playing on the left, so he's cutting in onto his right foot, which is the stronger one. Mikalenko then had the freedom to overlap him, and as a result, it was, was, was so much more effective. And I think the problem that Epson have a little bit is, you know, when, when they were playing Coleman rather than Patterson, they removed that option from the right. Um, and so, so, so that was slightly problematic. Like I don't really, Manil isn't the type of player who's going to get to the byline and whip across. He hasn't got the kind of the speed. He's got the skill and the trickery. We saw him beat a few players the other day, but I kind of think that you know, if if you want McNeil on the pitch, you probably almost want to set up a little bit differently and have Garner there as you know James Garner there as well, so that you've got one of the better passes on the ball in midfield so that you can try and keep hitting Dominic Calvert-Lewin and give him the supply and give him the service. But it wasn't really any of that on on Saturday. And I think another of my concerns is that obviously you've got Dominic Calvert-Lewin and you've got Neil Mopay, but they're such completely different types of players that if you're... If Dominic Calvert-Lewin isn't working and you bring Neil Mopay on, you kind of have to completely change the way that you play. And... That's that's the problem. I, I don't I don't really kind of understand the long term plan for for, for Mopay because it's not as if you know it, it, if Everton are setting up 
and relying on Dominic Calvert-Lewin to score the goals. So everything that they're doing in training is, yeah. is built on that way of playing football. Then the minute he gets injured and Mope is the person that's replacing him, all that work gets undone because you then have to kind of work on different formations and different styles of play. Similarly, you know, if he has to come off in a game, you then have to completely change everything because Mope isn't a target man or one you can hit. I think they're almost caught a little bit between styles, really. They don't know what they're trying to do. Um, you know, it doesn't feel like Lampard wants to try or believes that Mope and Carver-Lewin can work up top together. So it's so what are you asking Mope to do when he comes on? Uh, I, I don't know, and I think that's I think that's part part of the problem. Really, there's this. I, I don't know that Everton have worked out what their most effective route to a, to go to goal is, and all right, that's been hindered a lot by Lamp by um, Calvert Lewin struggling for for fitness. But whenever they've been chasing games recently, I don't know what the strategy is. I can see I can kind of see the strategy when it's nil nil or when they're winning, and and and, and to a certain extent, yeah, you know, the credit's probably deserved for it because it pays off to some degree. You know, Tottenham was always going to be a difficult game, but nil nil left had the two best chances. They just happened to miss them. Um, they created chances against Fulham at nil nil, albeit most of them came came early. Even you know, against against Man United, they went one nil up. Against Leicester, they could easily have gone one nil up after five minutes. But the minute after the chase of the game, it's it's not really clear where the, what the strategy is going forward. I think that's a bit of a problem because you know, they find themselves behind in games quite a lot recently. Um, I don't know what the solution is. I think, it, I think it requires a lot of thought over the next six weeks. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Gav, given what Joe has just said about the contrasting styles of Calvert-Lewin and Mopé, I mean, does that suggest that the Mopé um, transfer is flawed? Does it suggest that he's actually not a, a decent plan B, as it were? Or even if I go back to um first ever Everton game I went to, they had Tony Cotty and Graham Sharp up front, classic big man, small man combination. 32 years on, could something like that be re- reprieved? Or I, don't reprised? Sharp, I don't think Cotty and Sharp work those, is it? Um, <laughs> That's another podcast. podcast in itself, Chris, <laughs> <to be fair. laughs> Um I think that's what Colin thought he was going to get, but it, it didn't work like that. Because and, and this is a lesson learned, isn't it, really? Because I, I know we're going to bet show, and those Cotty worked well with Machiavelli, didn't he, at West Ham? And Machiavelli wasn't a big striker. Um, they both lied with the ball, but played quickly into, into channels. Um, and that, that, that's a lesson from history, isn't it? It's sometimes what you think is a natural partnership isn't when you play, play together. Um, well, we've got to get if we have a Mope and Carver Lewin, say you've got to have a got to have a fit Carver Lewin, haven't you? Really, uh, that's the thing. Um, we, we spoke about this the other way the other week, didn't we? I, I, I'm not saying like we should check, change pace, you know, permanently into a three-five-two. I don't really like three-four-three, three-five-two side. But we should mix it up, you know, depending on the opposition. Just, just, just be a little bit more flexible, uh, which we're not at the moment, and. Um, Mopain, Calvert Lewin, possibly, perhaps. Um, but it depends on it depends on service, doesn't it? You know how you configure it. I'd like I like three five two to be honest with you. I play Michalenko centre left centre half, and what I've seen of Vinagre, he's looked like quite decent. And 
he's not. He's, I don't think he's had enough game time this season. It'd be interesting to see if he plays tomorrow. It, it's just to, just to mix it up a little bit because if you only scored eleven, if you played four three three all season, you only scored eleven goals in fourteen games. The logical step is to change it, or at least look at changing it, even if it's just for the game or half a game. Um, rather than just carry on with the alternating between Gray, McNeil, Gordon out wide and swapping wings and so on, is at least look at something different. And um, I'd like to see us do that, um, to be honest with you, even if it means playing Mopay and Gordon as a two. Yeah. Perhaps. Uh, Joe, Joe as, I mean, as it stands, it's difficult for us to talk about this because, as you've mentioned already, Dominic Calvert-Lewin due for a scan today, Amadou Anana today, Adrissa Garnagay all due for a, a scan. I mean, uh, hopefully, you know, it, it, it mean that they would at worst only miss the, the rest of the games before, before the World Cup break. But there is, there's a lot up in the air all of a sudden, isn't there? There is. I mean, I don't think any of them would likely have started tomorrow night, even if they are fit. You know, Frank Lampard wants to take the Carabao Cup seriously, but, you know, context is also important. And I think with the defeat of, the defeat to Leicester on Saturday, all of a sudden the game against Bournemouth on Saturday, the coming Saturday, just becomes so much more important, you know, for both sides as well. You know, you can, you look at that table now, Everton are two points clear the relegation zone. If they win, if they were to win against Bournemouth, then they'd be four points clear of Bournemouth and potentially, you know, six away from the relegation zone uh, going into the World Cup. And, and, you know, you'd be going, well, happy days. You know, things are looking quite rosy. Um, but that's not going to be an easy game. So I think everyone have to load everything they've got into that performance now. Um, you know, who's going to be available? Anana might be available. It sounds like he might have a sprained ankle and it sounded relatively low-key for him. You know, with, with, with Idrissa Gay might be a little bit more difficult, but that might be a good opportunity for you know, to finally bring James Garner into the starting lineup. It's the one thing that we haven't really seen so far this season. You know, the one option that everybody looks at and goes, that could change things from Everton's perspective. You know, that's a style of, of play, a style of setup that we haven't yet utilised. Well, James Garner is now, you know, who all the coaches have talked very, very highly of. So they clearly think he's a player that might have been brought with the future in mind, but can have an impact now. Yeah, I think I think we'll see him at Bournemouth on, on Saturday, and I don't think that'll be a be a bad thing. Obviously, going looking up up top, it's going to be interesting as well because if you work on the basis that Calvert-Lewin probably isn't going to be fit, I mean, he's already on his own fitness pre, uh, regime. He's already being carefully handled. If there's any concern over him following the, the defeat to Leicester, it's hard to see them taking a risk on him for this, this weekend. So the question probably comes then, well, who do you start up top? And is it going to be Neil Mope? Is it going to be Gwanley Gordon? You know, as, as we saw a little bit at the start of the season, do you bring Salomon Rondon in to start? I'd be surprised if, 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 if he did that. So I think we are going to see changes on Saturday. I don't think that'll necessarily be a, the worst thing in the world. I'd be surprised if Patterson doesn't start. Whether we get a change in formation, I don't know. I think a lot of that, you know, if, if Everton would, you know, Lampard wants to play, he wants to play four at the back, um, but it hasn't quite led to the results that they've wanted to get recently. And again, he's been hit by injuries to the likes of Patterson and that. 
this might be a game with Holgate back and, and, and available. Obviously, he was on the bench the other day. You know, he might feel that he can play free at the back in a way that he didn't feel like he could play when it was would have been Michael Keane stepping in. I mean, I quite like I quite like Gav's suggestion of, of dropping Mikalenko into centre back and giving you know, Vinagra feels like an attacking wing back. We haven't seen much of him, but I, I don't see how he could be more hesitant than Mikalenko. Mikalenko's coming on leaps and bounds, and, and he showed that he can attack well against against Crystal Palace, but he's still more naturally a defensive player than, a, than an offensive player. Yeah, go and go free centre backs and having Vinagra and Patterson as the wing backs. James Garner spraying balls from from you know sitting deep and spraying balls from there might be a way to go forward. Obviously, it might not be the most effective way when you lose your target man striker. I suppose that'd be part of the problem. You're know, trying to work out who's going to start up top and how you best play for him. But that's a conundrum for for, for Frank his coaching staff. But it's it's hugely hugely important. Saturday there are more questions and answers at the minute. Probably start to get those answers tonight, tomorrow as they get the results from some of the scans and that. But um, yeah, we all know that Saturday is a, a game that Everton could do with winning, but plotting the best route to victory. I'm, I'm not quite sure what it is at the minute. Yeah, I mean, but I think change, I think change is needed. You know, I think yeah. you know, and, and I think change is inevitable because of the personnel issues. So you know, it's not not necessarily a time for experimentation. The game's too important for that. But it probably is an opportunity where Everton will be forced into perhaps trying a few things that have been in the back of Frank's mind for a couple of games and this almost gives him the excuse for, to, to try them. Yeah, I mean, obviously we'll talk more at length the back end of the week about um, the weekend fixture at Bournemouth, but obviously before all that, Gav, there's the small mass of the Carabao yeah. Cup tie and, uh, at the same venue. I mean, would you, would you use this as a chance to experiment in terms of personnel and formation or just how many changes do you think you'd be looking to make tomorrow night? Well, some of them are going to be enforced by the looks of it, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, if there's any... I mean, Anana, Garner, Guy and DCL, I mean, certainly Anana, if there's elements of doubt over his fitness, I wouldn't be playing him on Tuesday. Mm. Um, I would imagine Bournemouth may put out just a completely different team, yeah, to be honest with yeah. you. Um, so I would give... I mean, Takore didn't cover himself in glory, did he? On on Saturday, um, Tom Davis. Um, I think I think there's there's three or four options there. Maybe Vinagre. Um, it'd be interesting to see what he does with the goalkeeping position as well. Jordan was a little bit fly, wasn't he, on there Saturday? Well, Begovic played the last round, didn't he? But that was yeah. only, that was only um, Fleetwood. Yeah. Um, so the scope there, whether you're bringing new players in who have not 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 had a lot of game time, I don't think that's ideal for for changing the formation. To be honest with you, um, but I think there's scope there for well some some changes that are enforced and some that Frank Lampard might just want to give people a rest because this is a my. This is a massive game coming up on Saturday, isn't it? Which we'll talk about later in the week. I suggest yeah. a two-hour pod for that, because <laughs> it's sure. that important. Yeah. Maybe we'll do it while we're driving down. Me yeah, and Joe. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Stop off at the service station, and we can get some reporting from on the ground. You know, um, no, but seriously, yeah, I think we will change it. But some of this will be enforced, Chris. Yeah, uh, to be honest with you, yeah, we'll just be interesting to see. But I'd like to see what he's doing with the goalkeeper on there. Uh, 
on Tuesday. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, obviously it's got to be settled on on the night. There's going to be a, a result either way. Um, Joe, um, what's your prediction for the, the Tuesday night's Carabao Cup tie? Bournemouth part one. I think Bournemouth will surely make a lot of changes because for all the importance of the game for Everton in the Premier League on Saturday, probably even more important for Bournemouth. And you know, I think their squad's more limited than, than Everton's. So, you know, I, I, whereas I think Frank would like to take this, will take this as seriously as he can do within the, you know, within the wider context of where Everton are at the moment and injuries and things like that. I can't see this being something that Bournemouth go in into desperate for a win, to be honest. Um, obviously they want to win, but, so that's why I imagine it'll be two weakened sides. And I and I imagine and I reckon that Everton's will be the stronger of the two. I think Begovic will come in. You know, he's probably is there aren't many better second choice goalkeepers in the in the Premier League, I don't think, than, than Begovic. Um, you know, I think we might see some some changes at the back, uh, to give a few more minutes to some of the players coming back from from injury. And I think the I think the crucial thing for, for Everton on on Tuesday is the players that are likely to come in will all have points to prove and not just points to prove in the sense that, you know, they want to be starting in the Premier League and they have an opportunity now because of injuries and because of you know, recent performances. So the likes of James Garner and that have an opportunity in that respect. But I think for the likes of Tom Davis, Abdullah Dekori, um, you know, Yerry Mina and a couple of others, you know, they're out of contract in the summer and, this week is the last opportunity to really influence the thinking of, of those at Finch Farm ahead of the January transfer window. I know there are a couple of games, the two league games before, you know, just after Christmas, but before January, and there's potentially the League Cup fourth round if everyone were to get through. But you imagine that a lot of the home, you know, a lot of the planning for January will be done based on where Everton finish, you know, at the end of this week. If you're someone like Decore, who we know you know, wants to stay at Everton, if you're someone like Tom Davis, then if you get the opportunity to to show you can come in and make a difference, you've got to take it. And you know they're the type of players that like to come in and they're going to come in and surely want to perform. And, and then we know that they have quality and good qualities within them. So I, I think that's I think Everton will make changes, but I think they might actually be stronger for the changes in some respects. And, and I, th I think they'll win. I think they'll win two one. Yeah, there you go. Look. I asked him what his prediction was, and we got a lot of extra content there for our, for our listeners. That was very good value. Um, Gav, um, should, should they, yeah. you're work, you're tell us you're working out as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I should have put that uh, on as Patreon content. That shouldn't he off Joe there. You know? They'll just get the score. You get another, you know, in-depth preview charge for it. Um, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to say we're going to win 2 0. Yeah. Okay. That's I, I, I just can't see Bournemouth in, in any shape or form being interested in the game, especially as wow. the, the the gift is uh, what a a the next round is what five days before Christmas. It's before, yeah, yeah. It's just before the the Boxing Day return. Isn't yeah. It? I mean, he wants to he wants to play then in the, the best of times, really. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, well I hope. I don't know. It's still going to be positive prediction. I'm, I'm going to go for Bournemouth two, Everton two, Everton to win on penalties. Well, that, that, that is in the Adam Jones uh, sort of left field 
Well, it, we don't really know, do we, to be honest? Because we don't no. know who's going to be playing. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a fair. Maybe time stick your neck out. They've shipped some goals, Bournemouth, haven't they? I know they scored a few. They've shipped some goals, so you could be right there. Yeah. What, well, whatever happens, Joe and myself will hopefully will be there, just as we'll be there again on Saturday, so you can follow uh, our updates um, on the live blog. But thank you to you both for, for your time today. I'm Gavin Buckland and our very own Joe Thomas. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.